This is episode three of Dad College. I'm Dave, and he's Cam, and uh, we're excited to be here with you. Yes, we are. Cam, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm better now. You're better now. Yeah. It's been I've been stressed out the past couple of days, but I'm here with you, and I'm happy, and I'm excited to do episode three. I am as well. It is always good to actually get in this moment where we have the microphones fired up, and we're talking and sharing with our audience, and hopefully uh, somebody out there finds that uh, worthwhile as well. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right, so tonight on the Dad College, you just have the two of us, and uh, we're going to be talking about summer activities, our gen ed classes for uh, tonight are focused on what you can do when the warm weather rolls around and you've got those long summer days and you're trying to figure out what to do with the old kiddos. Indeed, spring has sprung, which means summer is quickly approaching. And where we live, I just imagine it's going it's, to, it's always hot in the summertime here. It's brutal and I hate it. Um, spring is very short. Yeah. It does not it's, last very long. By here. May, I'm going to want to never leave my house. Yeah. Until probably October. So, regardless of where you're at, you can definitely feel kind of cooped up during the summertime. The kids are home from school. Uh, as a dad, whether you're home on the weekends or you have that occasional day during the week where you're available and you've got to figure out what to do with the children. And maybe even give mom a break. Maybe even do it with the intention of saying, Mom, I got this. I'm going to take the kids for a while. And I'm going to not just keep them occupied. I'm going to have some quality dad time. I'm going to engage with my children. Uh, do you have anything that you did as a kid that you thought was uh, something that maybe stands out to you that you appreciated your dad doing? In fact, I do. Um... My dad is still a realtor, and uh, because of that, has a schedule that he can make. And uh, during the summers, uh, he would take me and my two younger sisters. Every Wednesday, we would go do something for the day. We would get up, he'd throw us in the van, and we would just leave for the day and then come back. And my mom could do whatever she wanted or needed to do that day without having to worry about, you know, dealing with three young children. And so uh, I'm thinking, we, I grew up right outside Detroit. And so we had, um, you know, that city at our fingertips, but then also um, pretty much everything outside of Detroit and Michigan is forest. Really? And it's really pretty. And the farther north and west you go, the prettier it gets until you hit Lake Michigan or Lake Superior if you go that far, or Lake Huron if you're on the, the east side. And, um, I mean, we, we would go to the zoo. There was this giant swinging bridge in the middle of Michigan somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but it <laughs> scared the living you-know-what out of me. I was probably like 11 or 10, and I still remember that trip. <laughs> and it, this bridge, to me as you know, a young kid, was just the biggest thing I'd ever seen. And it was just like... Uh, you know, uh, or a uh, rope bridge, you know, that kind of like dips in the middle and goes back up. And it would, of course, my dad was out there swinging it like a, <laughs> you know, an idiot. Took us to the Toledo Zoo. 
And that was exciting because we got to go to Ohio and that was before I realized, you know, what Ohio is actually like. <laughs> um, and we also lived right across the river from um, Canada. And back then, it was before 9-11, the border was pretty open. And we would, we would go for dinner because back then the currency exchange was like 50 cents to the dollar. Yes. So my parents could take us to Canada for dinner, save a <laughs> boatload of money and be the coolest parents ever because, Oh my gosh, we got to go to Canada. And little did we know my parents were like, no, we're saving a ton of money here. <laughs> you know, a family of five could eat for like 25 bucks yeah. and eat well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he would just take us like, there was this arc, this arcade place that was like all old school, like really vintage games. And like everything was like a Rube Goldberg machine. And he just found all these really cool, uh, unique places, children's museums, um, you know, the hands-on uh, experience places. And, and what I remember about this as I got older and, not, you know, my sisters are four and seven years younger than I am. So eventually I grew out of this and I wanted to, either, you know, work or hang out with my friends. Um, and, you know, I wasn't so much of a burden on my mother because I was a teenager and I could essentially fend for myself, you know, um, for social activity. <laughs> um, and I, that's when I realized that he did research and he bought books and he read through all the stuff so that he could spend those days with us. So, yeah, he was giving my mom a break for sure, but he was also building memories and quality time with his kids. And he put the time in ahead of time to research and find out about the stuff and to plan the trips. Um, which I think it was really great that he did, did those things, but it shows uh, a level of care that makes you, you know, makes me now as, as a father of, of, you know, a young baby realize like you love your kids, but it's easy to just kind of go with the flow and not, do those extra things to let your kids know how much you really do care. Mm -hmm. And that's just one of the ways that he did it for us that I appreciate now as a dad. You know, um, my dad wasn't quite as creative when it came to spending time with us as kids. But one of my fondest memories of growing up, <clears throat> and I did not grow up in a home where we went to church, but one of my fondest memories of my dad and, and being a kid was Sunday mornings, we would go fishing and it was just kind of like a regular deal that we would do. And so the second part of that was, is it was a little bit of a, we lived in Des Moines, Iowa and we'd go to the lake and we'd fish. And so there was always a little bit of, of a drive from where we lived to the, the lake. Didn't spend a ton of time talking, but we listened to Casey Kasem and American top 40 and so, like, that still, to me, just brings, anytime I hear that, I know they've started replaying it on some of the oldie stations, and it just brings back a flood of memories to me. But really, it was, um, there was not a significant cost investment uh, to go fishing. And uh, it really was one of those things with, um, you know, being in the car, driving to the lake, we would talk, and then being out at the lake, we would talk, and, um, you know, it just little things that it, it taught me about, you know, being patient and, um, you know, things that I'm, I know I did to absolutely frustrate my dad, like getting caught up in the weeds or, you know, falling in the lake or whatever it was <laughs> where my dad was just so patient with me, uh, on those things. And 
you know, even now, uh, I think the, you know, you can still get like a Zebco 33, uh, fishing reel for like less than 20 bucks at Walmart. And so that, and a, you know, thing of worms on a weekly basis, there's a pretty minimal cost investment in that. And, um, you know, you pack a, a lunch and those sorts of things. And, um, didn't catch a ton of fish caught enough fish that I remember not being completely bored out of my mind and not wanting to give up. But I remember one morning, uh, just catching this big old bass and, uh, just how, like, just like, I, I felt like my dad was just beaming about me catching this, this bass. And so, um, again, it was kind of the same, like kind of for a few years there, it was sort of the same thing. Every Sunday, week after week, I knew we were going to go fishing, um, but it was very meaningful, and and I appreciated. Again, it comes down to spending time uh, with my dad. Uh, my dad's not a huge talker, but um, it was it was very uh, meaningful and 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 worthwhile. So that's I think another thing that is an option for people to go do that gets us out of the house, gets gets us away from the screen puts us in a situation where uh, we have to engage as human beings with one another. And, uh, my, you know, if I think about it, my dad probably didn't think he was doing anything real significant. Mm-hmm. I, I've never, I haven't asked him. Maybe I will next time I see him. I'll ask him about going fishing on Sunday mornings. But it, it had a huge impact on me, and I learned a lot of life lessons uh, through that. And just... Um, I can put a worm on a hook, you know, it's as goofy as that sounds, you know, I can, I know how to fish if I have to. So appreciative of my dad uh, for doing that uh, for me. Other ideas, Uh, other ideas for fun outdoor activities. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, slip and slide kickball. Yes. And this is something that you can do super, super, super cheap, probably with stuff you have around the house. Obviously, you need a good kickball. You need some tarp, preferably like painting tarp, that plastic stuff that you just lay in the ground, the, mm-hmm. the, the like the blue nylon or whatever, that'll, that'll chew you up. But yeah, yeah just a big roll of uh, painter's tarp. You can mm-hmm. get at Walmart for like five bucks, ten bucks if you want the giant roll. And then uh, baby shampoo, the no tears, so if you get it in your eye, and you just squirt the the soap on the tarps, maybe get some tent pegs or whatever to hold the edges down, and you put a slip and slide into first base, into second base, into third base, and into home, and you get your kids and all their friends to come over, and you play a game of slip and slide kickball, and everyone has a blast because everyone gets soaked. It's a good way to stay cool and have fun and do something that they'll definitely uh, enjoy, and you'll you'll enjoy it too. Yes, it's fun. We played it with our high schoolers, and they loved it, so... Um, that again is, is rather involved, um, but it's really not that bad, really easy. And it's really fun. And if you don't want to do the slip and slide part, just play some kickball. Yeah. Everyone loves a good game kickball. Yep. Um, other ideas, uh, outdoor activities again, uh, do like a field day. I did this in elementary school. I feel like everyone does this in elementary school. Um, but j- again, just use stuff that you have around the house. Uh, make your discus throw be with the Frisbee. You know, if you want to do hurdles or high jump or whatever, you know, buckets or trash cans and a broomstick. Um, 
you know, you can do relay races or obstacle courses through the backyard if you have a, a playscape or trees or, you know, things like that. Or go to do, go do it at the school and use the jungle gym or uh, to the park and take advantage of the natural surroundings that you have. And, I mean, I don't know about your kids, but when I was a kid, I loved to run around and act like a goofball. Yes. And if there was someone said, hey, do these four things and try to beat your friend, I would do it. Yes. Yeah, competition is is a great motivator uh, for kids, and I think it's one of those things that we've lost a little bit of just competing for the the sake of of competing. Uh, it's okay to have winners and and losers. First, second, third, fourth. You no know. kid left behind, Dave. No, nope. everyone gets a participation <laughs> medal. That's how you. That's how you build winners. Yeah, that I trust me. We're we're seeing a, a generation of workforce that grew up that way and i don't i don't believe that was a good thing no, i really don't nope, i think learning how to lose and being a, a gracious loser uh builds character builds character and it's very important and it helps you live life in the real world as mm-hmm. an adult yeah yeah you're not just given stuff you earn stuff yeah because even a team like the new york yankees that seems to win a world series every one out of every four to five world series well, that's still three out of every four or four out of every five that you're not winning. So even when you're considered a winner, you still lose most of the time. And that's okay. Well, baseball is a sport that will humble you. <laughs> three and a half out of, or three out of ten hits, or a hit three out of ten plate appearances mm-hmm. is considered good. Yep. And he, like three, 3.4 out of ten is like MVP. So you just, yeah, it's a game of of patience and you know. Well, and it's one of the few one of the few sports that consistently your turn ends with a defensive play. You know, every other sport like soccer, not every other sport, but most other sports, soccer, football, this sort of thing, your turn can end because you score points. Soccer doesn't have turns, Dave. Yeah, it's a free true. flowing game. It's beautiful. It is a free flowing. It's beautiful. But baseball is truly like one of those where it's like, you know, three outs and your your time is up. Yeah, you fail three times and that's how you know you're done. And that's yeah. how you know you're done. Versus we scored a goal, we scored a touchdown, yeah. we scored. I guess you can try now. Yeah. Now exactly. it's your turn to get the ball. No, mm-hmm. it's quite the opposite. So yeah, there's many things I love about baseball. <laughs> All right, so camping in the backyard. Oh yeah, that's another thing that we can do. Uh, when the weather gets warm and from my personal experience, I would highly recommend camping in the backyard before you do any other kind of camping. And I would say that both as a kid who has been camping and as a parent who has done camping, um, I think you learn real quick in your own backyard what the tolerance is of the people that think camping sounds fun. Uh, before you make any significant investment of money, time, um, even sort of a uh, concept of this is a vacation and finding your vacation ruined because you've decided to go camping uh, in Colorado or down in the Ozarks or somewhere where you've never done it before and suddenly you're like, this is not easy. (laughs) So camping in the backyard is a lot of fun. Yeah, you can, you know, read stories or tell stories or sing songs or 
you know, roast marshmallows if it's not too hot. It's a good good bonding experience. Yes, very good. And really, your again, your investment is minimal. And if it doesn't work out, you can just go back inside. You can just go back inside. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So our final category here for uh, summer outdoor activities under general ed are things that you can do that are actually somewhat productive. So washing the car. It's a lot of fun if you do it right. So the idea behind that is, is not being concerned so much with the car looking perfect and spotless, but the idea of you got a dirty car, it needs to be clean. So, Hey, we're going to get the kids outside. We're going to get the hose on. We're going to get some soap and everybody's going to get wet and have a good time. And generally, if, if you're even a little bit anal when it comes to your car and how clean it is, you can take those last five minutes and cover all the spots that don't get done. Um, but it's truly one of, those, one of those chores, one of those things that we need to do that you got to get done that can be a lot of fun uh, by including the kids and um, just making a game out of it, you know? Who can get their spot the cleanest? Who's, who can uh, wash their spot the fastest? Who can get the wettest? Who can stay the driest? I feel I'll like s- it would just end up with me soaking my kids. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not looking. Dad. Yes. Other things that we can do that maybe seem like chores, but if we invite the kids to join us, can actually turn into quality. Uh, if you got yard work, I mean, I wouldn't give my five-year-old a real lawnmower, but, you know, if you're, you know, pulling weeds or putting mulch down or, you know, just general, like, spring sort of uh, landscaping stuff, planting maybe some um, annuals or, I think that's a term they use for flowers, uh, <laughs> giving your kid a little shovel and having them dig the hole for the plant or... um helping you spread the mulch around getting them outside and letting them contribute to what you're doing to help accomplish something. In this case, making the house look nicer. Um, that's, I remember doing that. Yeah. And I hate yard work, but <laughs> it was fun. Cause you get dirty. Yes. And who, what little boy doesn't love to get dirty and play in the dirt and find worms and that sort of stuff. And then at the end you can just soak them with the hose. <laughs> Yes. All right. So any other last thoughts on gen ed and ways to keep ourselves busy, engaged with our children during the summer months? I would check your community, um, whether you have a community center or a website for your town or county. A lot of times they'll have family movie nights at the park or uh, coupon tickets to you know, a children's museum or there'll be a play in the park or they'll do, you know, things like that. And if your community doesn't have that, maybe you team up with the other parents in your neighborhood to do block parties or do movie nights uh, so that you can, as a family and as a community, get out and enjoy the nicer weather, um, meet new people, let your kids hang out with their friends um, and do things that aren't normal. You know, watching a movie in the park is not normal. Right. But it's really cool. 
mm-hmm. and it's a great way for you to do something special for your kids. So yeah, check your your community center or the public library in your town or um, the the city website, and hopefully they'll have family oriented things for you to do throughout the summer. Um, but if not, get together with some friends and sit down. You got a couple weeks till school's over, a couple months maybe, depending on where you live, and plan two or three fun events throughout the summer with a group of friends. And, you know, let your kids have fun. Because guess what? You'll have fun too. Absolutely. The parent who can't have fun while their kids are having fun. <laughs> that's no, that's no fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I pity, I pity that person. I pity that person very much. All right. So you've been listening to dad college and you want to give us your input on something that we've said. Or maybe you have a question. Or maybe something. you have a better idea than we've had. Or that, yes. That's strong possibility. That is a strong possibility. Cam, what can they do to reach out and let us know what it is that they want us to know? They can get on Twitter and they can send a tweet to you or me. You are at David J. Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. Um, or if they just want to talk to anyone really they can send it to at underscore super megacorp uh but if you prefer email you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net and in the subject line put dad college maybe yes that would be helpful that would be helpful we get so many i mean we've literally got to kind of weed inundated by like two emails this week (laughs) um and then if you want to check out our youtube channel Yes. I would tell you what the URL is, but it's like, it's youtube.com <laughs> slash gobbledygook. Uh, so just go to supermegacorp.net and then on the top menu, click on YouTube. And we've got all of our podcasts get uploaded to YouTube as audio only. And then I actually started uh, playing World of Warcraft. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm recording that as I learned to play this game. And turns out I'm not great at it but there's a lot of really funny things in that game and i try to make it enjoyable to watch it's pretty nerdy um and then also uh you know this is appropriate for this show kids are expensive daycare is expensive diapers are expensive braces are expensive college is expensive sports are expensive sending your kid to space camp it's like all of the things that you want to do for your children to have help them uh, experience life and enjoy. Not all of them. Some of them cost money. And uh, if you would like to help support this show and help me put diapers on my baby <laughs> and help Dave send his kids to college, <laughs> uh, you can go to patreon.com slash supermegacorp. And we've got uh, quite a few uh, options available for you to um, support us ranging from, I think, uh, the lowest is a dollar. I know that for sure. And I think the highest is like 50 bucks. And it's a monthly recurring, um, subscription slash support. And based on how much you give, you get certain rewards. And, um, if you would check that out and decide that the show has not only earned your interest, but your support, we'd be very grateful. Yes. And not so much that we would be taking money from that to buy diapers or pay college tuition, but it would prevent us or it keeps us from putting our money towards this 
So it's kind of like yeah, but if we make semantics, enough, I can buy diapers. Okay, <laughs> daycare is expensive, man. Ah, uh, yes, it is. It's yeah. All right. So, on that note of daycare and raising kids, mm. what exactly is the role of a dad? Well, you know, in my <laughs> months of experience. <laughs> Um. Oh, but you've had a dad your whole life. I have, yeah. So and, you've got that experience. I've, you know, all of my friends technically had fathers. <laughs> Not all of them are around, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I think the the primary role, and I realize that you wear you wear many hats uh, as a dad, uh, but I think the primary role that the dad fulfills is to um oh now I just went blank. That's so unprofessional. <laughs> uh is to help prepare his children for adulthood. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of a vague answer, but it's the 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 consistent presence in that child's life through the good times, the bad times, you know, the mediocre times, uh, helping that child understand the way that the world works, uh, help them understand who they are, what they're good at, what they enjoy, um, and trying to help them figure out how to go forth into the world as adults to, um, you know, live a life that they're happy to live. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not even sure about the term happy there, but I think it is to prepare your children for when they become independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, the way I would, I, for me, it was, I, the word that just came to my mind was the role of a dad is to love their kids. And when I say love our kids, that is not just about, you know, just pouring out this gushy feeling of, oh, you're the best thing ever. And, you know, I'm your cheerleader and all that kind of stuff. I think uh, part of loving is um, disciplining. I think part of, of loving our kids is. Uh, building them up and encouraging them. I think part of loving our kids is telling them what you're doing is wrong. It's not right. You shouldn't do those things. Um, Yes, I personally believe, and I think, Cam, you do too, that there's right and wrong in the world, and that that part of loving our kids is is showing them and teaching them the difference between uh, right and wrong and helping them sort of having a um, what I what I would refer to as a moral compass. What is it? What is your true north, and what is it that 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 you base your true north on? Um, because there are some things that we we base base our true north on that that aren't have no substance to them, and they don't last. Uh, I think loving our kids is just simply being there when they've absolutely screwed up and have done wrong and not what they should have. And just conveying to them, and this is where I think 
we're well-intentioned, but we don't do it the way we should anymore is just this sense of, I love you regardless of what you do. There's nothing that you can do that would cause me not to love you, you know? And, um, but in that there is just this piece of, we still discipline, we still train from right and wrong. We still rebuke, we still correct our kids. Um, we, and, and, and not just from a, a moral standpoint, but a standpoint of, we don't want to get them, we don't want them to get hurt. You know, we have to help them understand electricity and things like a hot stove and things like traffic and, you know, (laughs) just those sorts of things. Because as a, as a small infant, we have no fear. We have no sense of this is going to hurt me or this won't hurt me. And so as a dad, I think it's our job to do that. And uh, so I'm giving a long-winded kind of drawn-on answer to pretty much what you were saying of, I think our job is to prepare them for life and how do we equip them to do that? Because um, for vast majority of us, the time that our children are at home and under our care is going to be shorter than the actual time they spend on this earth uh, engaged in life. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably a two to one or a three to one uh, ratio of, of actual time at home versus time where they're out. I mean, my 16 year old tonight is not at home under my watchful eye. She's actually out with her boyfriend and hanging out with him. And I'm hoping that be so mad. You just said that (laughs) probably, (laughs) I don't think she listens. So I think we're good. But, but in that, I think there's much of, of, of my raising her and, and giving her, equipping her for adulthood, even though she's only 16, is being played out right now. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm in an agreement. I think we're in agreement of our job is to train up our children and to, to send them out um, uh, to be contributors and not consumers. Um, that's a paradigm shift (laughs) because I think we create a lot of consumers, but I think it's, it's the American way, Dave. It's, it's a little more challenging to, um, help our children to be contributors and somebody that has a positive impact on society and not just takes from society and, and the world, but gives back. So other thoughts on the role of a dad? Um, I think it is important as well to set an example for your kids, whether they're um, male or female, uh, what it means to be a husband as well. And I know that not every dad out there is a husband. Um, I know that there are a lot of single parent homes. um, But I think that it is incredibly important for children to look up to their father and either say, I want to be a man like him, or I want to marry a man mm-hmm. that has those same values and characters, characteristics. Um, and I think that's important because there's so much in this life that we can't predict, let alone control. Yeah. And we can't predict the future. We can't predict how our kids will turn out. 
but if we can provide for them an example of what it means to love, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to stand up for what is right, what it means to uh, have fun, what it, what it means to um, be okay with looking silly. Like, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to, um, and not even okay, it's beneficial to stand up for those things, to, to have morals, to have character, to have value, to contribute to the world, as you say, to um, be kind to others, to be giving, right? Uh, all of these things that Dave and I see as Christian values. To love your wife, to be uh, committed to her and the family. Um, to treat her well, all of these, you know, values is important, I think, for young people to see because so much of what they see outside of that is kind of garbage. And I know for me, like, I know me, I know my glitches, most of them. Um, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have a lot to work on. And, um, so it kind of frightens me to say, I want my daughter to marry someone like me because I know me. Um, but I also realize that because I know that I have the issues that I have, you know, what do they say? Like acceptance is the first step to getting help or whatever, something like that. Like, I know I have, I know what my, my hangups are. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not oblivious to them. I don't think, obviously if I'm saying that and I have one. That I don't know about, then I don't know about it. But I, I, th- I think I'm fairly aware of what my glitches are, um, and I think that's a good spot to be in, as long as that leads towards action, to fixing those things. And in that, I can say yes. I would like my daughter to find a man who is willing to own his issues and work towards getting them fixed. So it makes me feel a little more comfortable saying that, but. You know, I also think she's perfect, so <laughs> she hasn't talked yet. I'm sure when she learns how to talk back, that'll go out the window. But So as we've been talking about uh, the role of a dad and even the things that we talked about under Gen, Gen Ed, uh, to me, there's, there, there's this underlying um, tone of we need to set the example that we need to represent um, what it is that we want our kids to be because um, we've all been around that person that says one thing and then they do another. And we all know that that's not a very good, um, well, it's just, it's just hard to take somebody like that seriously. It's hard to really want to follow somebody that's way. So as a dad, I think implicit in a role is being a leader. Um, your kids are watching you. Our kids are watching us all the time, all the time from the get go. And I'm, I'm often, um, not, not so much. Um, I'm not surprised by what my kids say because they're, they're right. And I feel like I'm somewhat self-aware. So when I hear them say something, it's not so much the, Oh my gosh, I didn't know I did that. But it's so it's more of a wow, they caught that. Huh? <laughs> they, <laughs> they're aware uh that I did that. So um 
part of our role as a dad is to, to set the example. We can't just tell our kids what to do and expect them to do it. Uh, they're watching it. They're watching us. They're going to imitate us. Um, even as I'm saying that I'm, I'm thinking of a funny story, uh, of a, of a coworker where, you know, his son used a four letter curse word and it was very clear that he had learned the four letter curse word from dad. Um, and why was he doing that? Well, he was doing it because he wants to be like that. He wants to be like dad. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what are your thoughts on uh, setting an example? Uh, how do we do that? Uh, what's important in uh, setting an example? And I don't know, I guess, just do you think that really matters? Am I, are we on the right track? Is that? Yeah, I, I definitely think it matters. Um, I think one of the most important things in setting an example is not necessarily being perfect, but is letting your kids see how you recover and um, reconcile from screwing up. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know a lot of kids who's, they're like, Oh, my parents never fight. And I'm like, mm, you're <laughs> smoking something like even, even the best marriages, you still have disagreements. My family was not like that. My parents did not hide their fighting. Mm-hmm. It was evident when it happened. Um, and sometimes it was scary. But because I got to see that side of it, I also got to see what it was like after they had forgiven each other and moved on. Mm-hmm. And that is an example of how to move through something difficult when one person or both people are at fault and have screwed up and it, you know, it, uh, resulted in a in a you know an argument then to see them move on together past that that is one way you set an example of saying not necessarily that it's you know okay to fight like they did but that you can move past those things together and through them and work it out together because i feel like there's so many times um where people just quit. You know, I had a conversation with a buddy and he got in an argument with his girlfriend and her response was like, Oh, I guess we're breaking up then. (laughs) And he was like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, clearly, you know, this isn't working out and you don't like me anymore. He's just like time out. Just because we got in an argument over something doesn't mean that I'm dumping you. That's not how this works. Like we're in this together. We love each other. We're going to be fine. Yeah. And, I think that's one aspect of it is letting your kids see when you do screw up that you own it, that you seek to ask for forgiveness and reconcile with the person and let them see that process because that is a normal, healthy thing to show your kids. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so what Cam was talking about with this and being example is, is learning to say, I'm sorry. Absolutely. And I think the second piece of learning to say I'm sorry is learning how to forgive. And I think one of the ways, and this is a, a very concrete thing that I think we can do when it comes to forgiving others, is to not say things like, uh, it's okay, it's not a big deal, uh, I don't care. 
don't minimize. When somebody tells you, I'm sorry, I think one of the most effective things that we can say is, is, is to acknowledge the apology and say, I accept your apology. Now, if you want to quantify the acceptance of your apology, then that's fine. But I think the first step is saying, I appreciate you saying, I'm sorry. That means something to me. And I forgive you. I accept your apology. Now, if you want to say, hey, you know what? Really, in the whole scheme of things, not a big deal. I'm, I'm good with that kind of stuff. You know, you calling me a bald head, bald head, bald head. That's, you know, that's absolutely fine. I'm not going to sick the female mama bear on you. But if you have something that's a real trigger for you and to forgive uh, is fairly significant, then that's okay. I think to share too, by saying, uh, I forgive you. And I just want you to know that that really hurt. That's one of those things for me that, you know, uh, I don't mean like, I don't like being told that I'm stupid. Um, that makes me feel about three inches tall and is really a hot button for me. And so your apology means a lot for me. So I think that's a big part of that is learning how to say that and then learning um, how to accept somebody else's apology. And then even kind of communicating to that person um, where that is kind of on a scale for you of, yes, this is a hot button for me or no, it's really not a big deal. I understand it kind of made you feel bad for doing it, but I never gave it a second choice, a second thought. Even in that, I think we still accept the apology because that goes um, a long, long way. Um, not to harp on this too terribly much, but for Cam and I, uh, we both consider ourselves uh, followers of Christ of, as Christians. Uh, that's where we place our moral compass and that uh, the Bible tells us what, uh, right, what is right and what is wrong. Um, I think everybody, whether they've ever really sat down and thought about it or not, sort of has that in their life as to what, uh, constitutes, um, wrongdoing and okay doing and correct doing. And, um, I think as a dad, whether you're a Christian or not, it's important to, uh, figure that out for you. Um, I, I personally have always referred to that. Well, not always in my adult life. I've kind of referred to that as my philosophy of human interaction. I think we all, whether we sit down and really define it or not, we have a philosophy for how things go in life. And as a dad, who's trying to impart to their children, what is right, what is wrong and how to lead them and guide them you ultimately kind of have to go, well, what is that based on? Uh, what is my foundation for saying uh, what is right and what is wrong? Because if you don't have that foundation, um, then it kind of, it, it, it breaks down. Well, why shouldn't I tell a lie? You know, because we all lie. Our kids are going to lie to us. We're probably going to lie to our kids. Um, but in that moment where the, where the lie matters and we catch our child in a lie and we tell them that we don't want them to lie, uh, we really need to be able to articulate to that, to our child, why that matters. Um, for me, and I don't want to totally speak for Cam, but, um, that, that falls on that God is truth. I mean, by his nature, God is truth. And so 
if truth is important, it's because God is important. It's not because we place some significant value on truth, but that we have a truly a, you know, this is who God is, and Scripture tells us that when the devil tells lies, he's, spe- he's speaking his native tongue. And um, for me in my house, this is my hot button. I expect my kids to tell the truth to me every time. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that always happens, uh, but it is high on my list. And my girls and will be, uh, my son, know that truth is important to me. And it is the thing that will absolutely send me faster than anything. But I have to remember that if I expect that from them, then I got to give it, I have to give that to them as well. Uh, I think in sharing truth with your kids, um, there is an element of knowing what's age appropriate. You know, we can get in that discussion later, but um, I'm the one that had the sex talk with both of my daughters haven't had the sex talk with my son yet. Uh, although he's very close to the age where I had it with both of the girls. Um, and I was very candid with them on that and, um, answered any questions that they had. And in short, you got to figure out what's important to you and make sure that if it's important to receive it from your kids, that you're uh, reciprocating that uh, back to them. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. You agree? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's that, the phrase do as I say, not as I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just, just terrible on so many levels. And if you want your kids to respect you, and love you and honor you with um, the way that they live their lives, and and you and you genuinely want them to, you know, live the right way, whatever you deem that being. Um, obviously, Dave and I have a pretty strong and clear idea of what we think the right way is. Um, his name is Jesus. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him. Um, I think it is important that your kids don't learn hypocrisy from you. Mm, yeah. Like, let that be one of the lessons the world teaches them. And you help them through understanding what hypocrisy is and why people do it. But don't let them learn what hypocrisy is because of how you act. That yeah. is a guaranteed way for them to really not believe you or trust you. Yeah. And if your kids don't trust you, then yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough place to, uh, to find yourself. It's just sad. It is for everyone involved. So, um, you know, we're not naive. We don't expect everybody to be perfect. As you become a parent and you want to raise kids. Well, and I also don't expect people, everyone that listens to this to agree with us. Oh, that's true. Especially too. about what we just said. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I also personally believe there are things that adults get to do that kids don't get to do. 
and we don't have to justify it. it, it it's as simple as I'm a grown up. I get to drive a car. <laughs> You're a small child that does not have the fine motor skills or the gross motor skills <laughs> to navigate the streets of a city. So you're not going to drive. I think They're, that's pretty safe. You know, and then at some point there's degrees of, of that in terms of what we get to do. That the kids don't get to do, but ultimately you reach that point where there needs to be consistency of this. I do it. So I expect it of you. And I think that's where you come in. It comes into things like uh, telling the truth, you know, that's that's not one of those things where we go well just because I'm a grown up I get to lie. You know, there 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 are elements of parenting where we reach things that that breaks down. I don't I don't get to be a complete jerk because I'm an adult and you don't. I don't get to you know, one of the things that I my wife and I are probably terrible about is is having conversations about people who aren't present in front of our children where our children aren't any wiser of of what those people are, what they do. And uh, those are probably, that's for me personally is one of those places where I'm just like, especially as the girls have gotten older and, and are aware of what the conversations are, where it's just like, eh, probably shouldn't be doing that. So. What's that sound? I don't know, but it was slightly terrifying. That was slightly terrifying. I think it's time for the uh, final exam. Cam. Oh, no. I'm on the hot seat, aren't you I? You are on the hot seat. You are, have not had to answer any of these questions yet, so we have five I know, questions. I've been dishing them out. I, I guess turnabout's fair play, right? <laughs> For you tonight. So our very first question. I'm nervous. Cam Brennan. Yes, sir. What do you want people to know that do not watch professional wrestling? <laughs> what it is that they are missing <laughs> by not... Oh my gosh, you're going to lead with this question. And so when I use professional, there's air quotes around oh, the word professional. All right, hang on. So they get to they hang get to on. pay, they get paid to wrestle. And I believe the WWE is the current they they are on top of on the world. On top of yes. the world. So what what is it that you want non-wrestling fans to know that they are missing out on? Okay. Nowadays, you're missing out on world-class athletes. It no longer is it the days of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair uh, where a leg drop on a guy's chest would win the match. <laughs> uh, you have guys now that are doing 630-degree rotations off the top rope uh, through tables. I mean, it's the level of athleticism has – it's crazy now. And it, among the women, too. That's cool. It, I mean, they are world-class athletes. Most of them, not all of them, most of them. Um, some of them are just average athletes, but they're the huge dudes. That, they're seven feet tall and 360 pounds and can throw a grown man across a 20-foot ring. Um, so you're missing out on that. Um, the production level is crazy good. Um, so you're missing a well-produced show of entertainment. Uh, the third thing you're missing uh, by not watching professional wrestling, it's just fun. Like, yes, I get it. It's fake. We know, or they know who's going to win before the match happens. And it's all written and it's all storylines, but that's what makes it fun because you try and predict how you think the storyline's going to go. And they surprise you by bringing in people that, like, Bill Goldberg is back. He hasn't wrestled in 12 years. Um, but when you understand that it's more about performance 
and more about entertainment than it is about actually fighting. If you want actual fighting, go watch uh, UFC. That's totally fine. Go watch boxing. That's totally fine. But it's different in wrestling because you know it's a show, it's a performance. And when you can appreciate that aspect of it, the fact that they're not actually kicking the guy's temples in doesn't bother you anymore. You you get to appreciate the skill that it takes to make it look like you're doing it and for one person to trust another person not to actually kill them. And then you realize, holy crap, they're doing all of this stuff and not actually getting hurt, which is actually really impressive. Yeah. Um, it's not for everybody, you know, but I figure if you watch reality TV, I can watch professional wrestling. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Cam, what has been your favorite discovery about being a dad? Ooh. All right. We're getting serious now. Yes. My favorite discovery about being a dad. Um, I just really like being goofy with her. And I mean, I know I said this on, you know, Nick's show, but like, I'm really excited for when she's like four and five and the world is still magical to her. And I can just be in that world with her where, you know, imaginations are rampant and everything is a dragon or a princess or whatever it is that she's into. Um, but right now it's, I think my, my favorite thing is, is watching her learn. Um, she just had her four month checkup today and, you know, big shock. She's like 95th percentile in, <laughs> in height and, you know, she's 15 pounds and her neck's super strong. And I mean, she's just constantly watching. She's always watching what's going on and she's, she's in the stick everything in my mouth phase. And so today I had her sitting on my chest and my stomach. We were just hanging out and I was laying on the bed and we were, you know, dancing and singing songs. And then she got really interested in her feet and she's sitting there trying to shove her foot in her mouth. And it's like, she just realized like, Oh, wait a minute. I can put that in my mouth too. (laughs) And you know, and you know, she like grabs my beard and she just, she's into touching everything. Uh, like my phone, she always wants to touch the screen or I'll put her up to the mirror and she'll want to touch her own face in the mirror. But she probably thinks it's another baby. I don't know if she realizes <laughs> it's her. Um, but yeah, just watching her discover new things and like new abilities, like she's really close to figuring out how to crawl, like really close. And she's also really close to learning how to roll over and it's freaking me out. <laughs> But, I mean, her legs are just all the time. She's just kicking. We put her on her stomach, and she's got her head up, and she, she's kicking her legs. She wants to move. She just quite hasn't put it together yet. Um, but, I, yeah, I just love watching her learn stuff and try new things and watching her just interact as much as she knows how to with what's going on around her. She's a very curious little girl, which means I'm doomed when she's actually <laughs> mobile and can touch everything in the house. But we we got a, a while, like at least a year before that's a real problem. <laughs> All right. So number three is looking down a little the road a little. Um, as a dad, what is something that you know already you'll do differently if you have a second kid? Oh gosh, we'll save all the money we need beforehand. <laughs> I mean, we had no idea how much it was gonna cost to actually have a kid. Yeah. And when you see the the bill and you see how much like the real amount is, is like $30,000. Then you see how much you owe and you're like, oh, that's significantly less, but that's still more than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. So knowing it now, granted, that would be if we, you know, like planned it out 
and like, okay, we're going to get pregnant on, you know, this month we need to save, but you never know. Like, oh crap, we got nine months. All right. We're not buying anything. (laughs) Um, so that for sure, just because for me, money's a stressor, not having it is, you know, a stressor. So going into it, we would know. And so I would, I would feel a lot more confident about that. Um, but as far as like, she's still so young. Like, I feel like we haven't been able to screw her up yet. Yeah. That's like, yeah, like that's she's, good. she's, everyone wants to hold her cause she's so stinking cute. And <laughs> like, I know everyone thinks their kid is cute. My kid is cute. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, she just hasn't been around long enough yet for me to like damage her. Uh, at least I, th- I think, <laughs> you know, I haven't had to discipline her yet. Yeah. You know, cause she's four months old. Like what did she right. get? Oh, you pooped on your diaper again. Shame <laughs> on you. Like no, that's her only option. Um, so yeah, save up and just be more aware of, of what that side of it's going to be. And then, um, I think personally for me, um, like, I feel like I try really hard to help Meredith out as much as I can. But there are days where I feel like she thinks that I'm not helping as much as I can. And it's just, I think it's because at this age, like, you know, she is the provider of food for the baby. And with that comes provider of comfort most of the time. Because the baby, that's where the baby's the happiest. And there's just only so much you can do when that's what the baby wants for comfort. Like, would you like me to hold the child while I, I <laughs> while it breastfeeds? And, and so I think just maybe having more open discussions about that with her going into baby number two, or maybe even right now with baby number one would be really uh, helpful so that I feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Um, I'm confident in, in how, you know, we work together with the kid, but you know, when family or other people come to town, I get the feeling sometimes that they're like, <laughs> looking at me out of the, and I, and maybe that's just my own issue. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that one's still up in the air, Dave. Let's just leave it at that. Sounds good. Are you going to dock me points for that answer? Not at all. Not at all. All right. What was the last movie you paid to see, whether in the theater or rental, that you actually oh, spent Oh, so it would be a Redbox movie. Because I don't go to the movie theater. It's just too expensive. It's too much work. Like I, I wanted to go see Rogue One in the theaters, and I had an opportunity to do so. Meredith was out of town for a weekend, and I didn't go because I was like, I don't want to leave. I'm on the couch. You know, I've got a beer. Like, why do I want to go sit in a movie? And I, I kind of regret it because that is a movie I, I should have gone and seen it just because the audio would have been so much better. Um, but the last movie I paid to see was The Girl on the Train. Oh. It's got Emily Blunt, and I think that's really the only person I really <laughs> run out. Laura Prepon, and I think the girl from that 70s show. Yeah. Uh, not what I expected. Really? Yeah, not what I expected. Pretty brutal movie. Yeah. All right. I think that was the last one I watched. That or Suicide Squad. 
which was better than people said it was. Really? But maybe it's because I one. maybe it's because I went in with like zero expectations. That helps sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of cheesy and kind of dumb, but people made it out to be the worst movie ever. Mm. All right, for your final question of the final exam, I'm going to steal from the movie City Slickers, which you probably have never seen. But I, other than Kennedy being born in your wedding day, what was your best day? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so many mediocre ones to choose from. <laughs> Other than my daughter being born or getting married to Meredith, what was my best day? Or a day that stands out to you as, that was a good day. I had a good day that day. Uh, Just in recent memory, um, putting in my two weeks notice at the bank. Yeah. That was like not a monkey off my back, like King Kong off my back. <laughs> um, and it that was more, I had more relief then than I did when I walked out the last day. Knowing that you were never coming leave, back. Yeah. yeah, but the fact that I was like, okay, the end is in sight. I'm moving on to something far better. Um, and actually like doing it. Yeah. Walking out the last day was just like, I'm out. It's like it, it wasn't even like there was no relief because I knew that it was over right. before that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of backstory to that. Um, so maybe listen to the master class. We might have talked about it there a few times. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, putting in my two weeks notice at the bank. So was, working a job that's not a job that you wanted, that really doesn't complement your gifts. The tr- whole purpose of being there was a paycheck. Yeah, it was and being able to leave it was that to keep our house and to be able to provide, leave that for yeah. something that was a better fit with who you are and what you desire to do. And yeah, it was better for me in every possible way. All right. Yeah. And therefore better for my wife because I was no longer a grouch. <laughs> I can relate. So, yeah, that was that was I've, I've had many other good days, but that was one that in recent think, memory, in recent out. memory that will stick with me for a long time i think that's fair all right well as always we've probably gone way longer than we intended oh for sure for sure but we appreciate those of you who have listened to episode three of dad college and we will see you next time indeed we'll be back all right Bye. bye